Dynamite Briley Moore of the Week, freshman Jordan Anderson. Swagflight Sports, it is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. And that's right, Jordan Addison. A couple weeks in a row there with those picks. Uh, worked out nicely. Let's try to make it three in a row. And that's what we're here to do. It's the CFB DFS week for day slate. Let's waste no time and get to it. Here it is. <laughs> All right. Welcome in, one and all. We're going to go game by game for the board here. I think it's an 11-game board. Notre Dame canceled uh, due to COVID. Don't play any Fighting Irish or their opponent, who I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, Wake Forest. Probably don't want to play them anyway. So, um, But yeah, what I'm trying to do here each week, too, is kind of find maybe two, three building block pieces to help you be able to afford the higher price guys with all the high floors and upsides that we all want to play. That's kind of the object of this. So I will say this uh, many times. I, I don't spend a ton of time talking about Sam Ellinger as a, a really good play this week. It's just, it's of course he is. Um, we all want him. So let's try to figure out a way to get him in there with some reasonable price floor upside combo meals that will uh, they'll help you cash the day, my friends. So let's go first game. Speaking of Mr. Ellinger, it is Texas at Texas Tech. Texas is minus 18 over under of 70. Um, definitely want a game to target here with the total highest on the board. And look, it's just hard to take a lot away from the 50-93 dub that Texas had over UTEP in their first game. I think the big storyline here will be to check Jake Smith's status at wide receiver before the game. Um, he did not play in that game. He's going to have an effect on Joshua Moore, um, Tariq Black, Jordan Whittington, Brennan Eagles. I think all season, a lot of things we're going to be doing is guessing who's going to get the TDs uh, each week. And we're still going to have to work out here with all these guys playing in the same game to see who is going to get the volume, um, who's going to get more of the possession, maybe kind of take over a Devin Duvernay type of role in that offense. I think Jake Smith probably the favorite to do it. I like Whittington without him, but uh, in that went over UTEP, but that game got so out of hand and so ridiculous quickly that the game flow is so whacked out that we haven't really seen Texas play uh, really even a, a full two halves of football with their starters. So I think it's going to be a good opportunity in this game to see that and uh, see Ellinger with all these guys and how they go about it. So I think it's definitely something to watch. Um, Joshua Moore was the, the big, he had the bigger game in the game one. Uh, I You know, Tariq Black, I think all these guys can return value. And um, even without scoring touchdowns, I think uh, Jake Smith could as well. So let's move on to Texas RBs, which I, as usual, like I've stated, I'm kind of out on RBs. The thing with these guys is it's almost like they have to break a home run type play to get a touchdown because Ellinger is such a big part of their goal line offense. He's used exactly like a running back. They do all the quarterback powers all the time. And look, it just takes the ceiling off of Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson. Even though I think Ingram is really talented and is capable of having big games, it's that touchdown uh, kind of that goal line vulture thing with Ellinger. It's just, it's tough to, it just takes away from his upside week to week. And it's going to be hard to know when those big plays are coming where he just takes it to the house. So um, that's just kind of my approach with Texas running backs. Hard for me to pay the price on Ingram. And then uh, let's move on. Next point here is, yeah, I think this is a game I kind of, as I mentioned, UT and Oklahoma are the only two teams that project to get 40-plus points in the slate. So um, sometimes it creates a dynamic, as I've talked about in the past, where you just kind of have to show up to the right party in some of these slates. And if you're not in on some of these things, you're probably going to not cash. So I think it's going to be difficult to not have Ellinger and Rat Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma in, in this slate like this. So 
just keep that in mind um, as we move forward here. Let's go on to uh, the tech part of the ball. And uh, this is going to be the first real test for the Texas Tech D, or sorry, the Texas defense. Uh, I think Alan Bowman is a competent quarterback. Uh, he, he's good. He's equally good um, throwing the ball. A little bit of a threat with his legs as well. And all, all, all in all, solid value wide receiver, I think, on this board with the prices of TJ Basher. Uh, he's kind of the wide receiver 1, 1A to Eric Izukamana. And I, I really don't think there's too much of a difference in these two and, and would argue that uh, Vasher is equal and or greater to uh, the value. He's just coming off uh, an injury season. So he has, I think we're getting with uh, Izukamana, we're getting some more recency bias where he seems like he's the clear-cut wide receiver one. But uh, when Vasher was in there, especially with Bowman, um, he can be just as productive or more on any given week as uh, the top receiver for that team. So uh, I think that's how I kind of play those two. I like Vasher better because of the price. And then Kassan Carter, uh, really nice price floor combo at 4,300. He had a 686 one line in that first game against, uh, what was, all, what was my, my Houston Baptist guys? Yeah, Houston Baptist. That's, they almost lost. <laughs> um, so... But he, he actually led the team in catches and uh, yards with that 686-1 line. So um, I think there's a nice value there. little nice price floor combo, as I mentioned. And then um, Sir Roderick Thompson is the – looks to be locked into the cowbell role at running back. So I think he's really solid. You know, good 20-25 touch floor for him. He catches passes. Um, check his status. He did get, uh, I believe, arrested for street racing. Um they say they're going to move forward and he's going to play. So you just might want to check real quick before the game because uh, he's pretty expensive and probably worth the price too because of all the volume. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that game. And let's uh, let's move on. And someone get to Sir Roderick and uh, tell him that he doesn't need to take those risks. He's uh, got a lot going for him. So <laughs> stop street racing. Uh, <laughs> is that even done in real life? I thought it was just in the movie. All right. West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's uh, minus eight over under 52. Improved defense for Mike Gundy in the Oklahoma State Cowboys maybe. Looked like they were pretty solid against Tulsa. So um, I don't know. It's much some, something to take uh, into consideration if you're looking at West Virginia players. I think the big story here too is uh, Spencer Sanders' status, the quarterback for Oklahoma State, and what the impact will be on someone like Tylen Wallace who – um, one of the best receivers in college football. And I, it's going to be really difficult to pay his price in DFS, even though it's a little bit lower this week. It's just tough. Those other quarterbacks looked really bad. Um, the backup ended up getting benched for uh, the true freshman. I, uh, I, I don't know his name off the top of my head, so I'm not going to try to butcher it. But um, look, I, there's just no way to know um, without Sanders what it's going to look like. So I just think really it's just going to be a big Chuba Hubbard fest there. And, um, yeah, uh, deploy him at will. So uh, and then as far as West Virginia wide receivers and running backs go, I think they're priced fairly. Uh, maybe look a little bit elsewhere because of the low projected scoring in, in here. Um, I think maybe Ford Wheaton had a, had a decent price under 6K. Um, but maybe this just might be a game where there isn't a ton of offense from uh, West Virginia, or at least not as good as certainly there was in their first game against basically a scrimmage. So, um, look, they're good. I think it's Sam James, Ford Wheaton have the great floors uh, and have probably the most volume. But we're going to see him for the first time all together with TJ Simmons, who did not play in that first game. And this is also going to be just very different, right? That first game, I think it was against like Eastern Kentucky. It was a scrimmage. Starters played a half, and that was it. So this is going to be kind of similar to Texas, the first real competitive game where we're going to see real game flow and what that distribution is like with their receivers, um, with Dodge to, you know, like I said, James, Ford Wheaton, and TJ Simmons now all playing together. So let's get out of that game because I think we have better things to talk about. And it's uh, Louisville at Pitt, and I wanted to mention – before I get into this game, ACC Network, what are these guys doing? I want, I'm trying to watch as much of these games as possible to get, you know, to get the information, to see it with my own eyes, and then uh, bring it here. And I'm trying to watch it 
on my laptop on ESPN. It says, you know, hey, log in, log in with your cable. And I have Xfinity Cable, one of the bigger cable providers. It's got to be in the country. And somehow, some way, they don't get ACC network uh, access. But but I can log into my Hulu account, and they do. So um, ACC network, kindly fuck off. I want to watch your games. Do you want people to see your games? I can tell you one thing. They're not logging into Hulu to do it. So uh, just enough. Anyway, um, well, as you heard in the open, speaking of Pittsburgh, my Jordan Anderson, uh, he completely came through on that uh, prediction last week, and uh, he's now the most expensive position player on Pitt. So they uh, they caught up. They adjusted on him. And uh, also the 12th highest owned percentage player in the big contest last week at 17.42%. I personally take a lot of responsibility, and I'm proud of that. And um, also including the winning lineup. Yeah, guy who took down the GPP, Jordan Addison. And it wasn't me, so um, yeah, unfortunately... I went wrong in a couple of places looking at you, Mr. Jalen Camp, but that's not really your fault. It was, we'll talk about those guys later. Anyway, um, so I think as far as Addison goes, is the value all completely gone now with the price? That's tough to say. I, I think it's probably fair at this point. And also, this is going to be the first game where we're going to see him, likely see him with Taysir Mack, who figures to be the projected wide receiver one in this offense. So I think it's something to watch here, and I think it's probably fairly priced now. So. Um, as far as the the running backs go on the pit side, Vincent Davis, I think, is just continues to be solid value. Probably good for a 15 to 20 touch floor. And I think he has a nice price of like 5400 And the other part about that is Louisville D. We all saw him on national television Saturday night get sexed up by Derek King and the Hurricanes. They allowed over seven yards per carry to Kane running backs. Uh, so I think there's a little sneaky upside for pit offense in general this week. And uh, I think Vincent Davis is going to be part of that, and maybe even Kenny Pickett, at quarterback. So uh, consider that when you're filling out your lineups. On the Louisville side of things, um, I think here their guys are very well known by now. The pecking order is pretty established. Um, Des Fitzpatrick, Tutu Atwell, um, Mikhail or Malik Cunningham. He keeps switching his name, so I think it's back to Malik now. But anyway, um, look, they're, they're good. They're talented, and they can put up points you know, against – most defenses most weeks but uh, this is a tough matchup for them this week and their prices are pretty fair i think they're they're right where they should be and in this type of matchup it might be tough to pay that price for someone like a like a 2-2 or a des or even um mr cunningham as well so um just something to think about there's a 12 kind of a 29 26 vegas projection in this game so i wouldn't expect to see uh the crazy game that got kind of lopsided with miami on saturday night and gets into the 30s and 40s. I don't see that happening. Pitt has a much, they're much more defensive-minded football team than ball control. So, um, also the other guy I just want to mention for uh, Louisville to consider as far as maybe some really good value, unlike the other guys, is uh, the Juco transfer at wide receiver Braden Smith. He has been a very big play guy in the offense. He's at 4,700. Team lead 29.2 yards per catch so far on the season. So, um, when he gets the ball, he does a lot with it. So uh, those are my thoughts on that game. Let's get to next. Kansas State at the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma minus a whopping 28, over under of 61. Again, um, just kind of reminder, it just could be a slate where the services of Spencer Rattler or Sam Ellinger is required for uh, the cash line. Um, there's, there's certain times where the teams that score you know, five to six offensive touchdowns, there's only going to probably be a couple of them. And if these are the ones that are projecting to do it, then there's nowhere else to get this type of production. Sometimes you just have to play one of these guys. And, and the other thing too with that is we, we don't know how it's going to look with Rattler yet, but those guys are kind of, at least last year with Oklahoma, um, what's that guy who went to the, I can't think of this. Why do I forget these names at these times? Anyway, um, if I remember it, but you know, last year's quarterback, he was basically a goal line back for them. So it's that same dynamic, that same analysis I talked about for the Texas running backs. The same thing here with Oklahoma. It's tough to play these guys when you know, even in, their, in these great offenses, they're going to put up a bunch of points, score a bunch of touchdowns. They typically don't get the goal line work. So 
it really just leans back in the favor of got to play Rattler, got to play Ellinger. They're probably going to be good for four, maybe five touchdowns this week. So um, I think I've made that point enough. But here is what I really want to talk about, is how you can afford those guys with phenomenal value. And it's coming in the form of Briley Moore and Deuce Vaughn this week. Um, I talked about Briley Moore in week two for the first pot of this year. And uh, he right away came out and very clearly, uh, he is one of the top targets in the pass game. I think you're going to see Malik Knowles as a, as a big play, deep threat guy. But I think when you're looking for possessions and intermediate route running, uh, he led their team, I think it was like a 5.56-1 line in that first game against Arkansas State. So right out of the gate, has a connection with Skylar Thompson, who did not throw to tight ends a lot last year. And I think this guy's different than your – he's more of a pass-catching tight end, not necessarily a blocker. I think they do a lot splitting him out, almost operates as a wide receiver himself. So, um, look – DK did not adjust on him, and that's the point. He's still at 3,800. Same with Deuce Vaughn. Uh, we talked about those running backs in week two, and right away, Deuce Vaughn came in and was effective. He had, I think, the most yards per touch out of all those backs and scored on a, on a fairly long touchdown, I think. So um, he's the playmaker. He's going to be the guy. He's a freshman, so they're probably going to maybe be a little bit patient with him, but I still think he's the guy that they're going to want to get the ball in his hands and just gives them the best upside on that side of the ball, which is a struggle for them typically. And also, as a kind of a just something notable about this game, the game flow, right? I mean, Kansas State's going to be throwing the ball. They're going to be behind. Deuce Vaughn is much more capable receiver, and it just kind of raises the ceiling a little bit on Briley Moore as well. There's going to be all kinds of junk drives that they can pile up meaningless stats, but they mean something here, and that's all that matters. So um, love those two guys as building block pieces. I think you should consider them as well. On the OU side of things, um, and I hope you're enjoying the rap music outside of my um, building that I'm hearing right now. Lovely. And anyway, um, OU running backs and receivers. And this is kind of a theme for this week because we got the big boys back now playing their first game. He's got a lot of SEC teams, that SEC speed. Um, it's back. And so we're kind of back back now. And it's kind of, is it wait and see, or is it time to speculate? And I think there's a few situations for me that are going to clearly be wait and see. And there's a few spots where I think I'm going to be willing to speculate a little bit. Um, and we'll talk about them. So I think in the, in the case of Oklahoma, outside of Charleston Rambo, the workloads on uh, receivers and running backs and just like that pecking order, is a complete mystery. I'm not gonna pretend like I have any strong opinion about it. I don't know, I wanna see it. So it's gonna be hard for me to spend money on anyone besides Charleston Rambo this week. Um, similar take, it's kind of the, the Texas running backs with Oklahoma running backs, I already talked about that. And look, Pledger, who's supposed to be the lead back, didn't play in game one. Um, it was Seth McGowan, the freshman, who performed the best and was playing early on, also caught a touchdown um, and ran for one as well. So. I think, you know, this is going to kind of be a wait and see because, look, what do we really know anyway about one half of football against Missouri State? We just don't know anything um, as far as how this is going to shake out with workloads. So I'm not going to pretend like I do. I'm just going to say be aware of it and let's move on. And the next game. So kind of a similar situation with Cincy um, here in this next game. It's Cincy. Uh, they're at home. They're taking on Army. Since he's minus 14, over under 45. They had a 55 to 20 week dub in their win over Austin P last week. And again, hard to take a lot out of it other than, yeah, Jared Dokes is the guy to play, uh, but we all want him. So I think storyline here is um, the expected wide receiver one, Alec Pierce, is expected to play. He did not play in that first one. So I think you're at least going to see some pecking order um, get start to form and get established on that for the quarterback Desmond Ritter and his group of receivers. Again, for me, probably a wait and see for this week. Tough to pay for um, for Pierce's price, and I think I have better options elsewhere. And let's move on to Army, which I think my, my thoughts are going to be very similar week to week on them. There's really no one playable in my mind outside of Christian Anderson and Sandon McCoy. Uh, the up back, they just generally are going to have all the touchdowns. Um, uh, kind of a dart throw guy that I mentioned a couple weeks ago was Tyrell Robinson, a freshman at running back, who 
seems to have some role in the offense and um, maybe expect five, seven carries and do, do a little damage with them. Who knows? So something to consider there. And, um, yeah, again, it's just a team that's projected for two offensive scores this week. So I don't – I'm just not that excited. I'm probably going to be out on uh, Army altogether. So let's move on to another game, and it is Mississippi State at LSU. LSU's minus 16.5, over under of 56. So that makes for a 36 to 20-ish type of projection game script from Las Vegas. And I, again, kind of resetting that theme of speculate versus uh, wait and see. And I think because LSU projects the score in that five to six touchdown range, I think I'm willing to speculate a little bit more here because you know there's gonna be some sort of action, hard to tell where it's gonna come from, but I think there's some value. And from my research, and by research I mean Google, I think Kayshawn Boot, I think that's how you spell it, Boote, or pronounce it, and wide receiver, uh, and one of the nation's top recruits at tight end, who basically operates as a wide receiver, Eric Gilbert, is the places I would target uh, for LSU. Boot, also a former five-star high school track star, profiles as that house call maker from anywhere on the field, tons of speed, lightning quick. Gilbert is the guy everyone is excited about um, down in Baton Rouge. He's listed as a starter, 6'5", 250, super athletic. Uh, I hate this phrase, but he's not your father's tight end. So, um, yeah, so he basically, he's just, he, look, he's he's going to operate a lot uh, like Moss did last year uh, at the tight end position. He's a tight end technically maybe on the depth chart, but they operate a lot as split out, you know, a lot of screens. So, um, and this guy's supposed to be just super effective, super athletic, uh, and, and he's, I think they're going to try to get him in there right away and get him the ball. So I think he's at 4,300-ish. So, and I think um, Boot was around 5K even. So I think those guys have really solid prices in floors, and I'm expecting them to have an impact immediately in this offense. And look, it's all predicated on Miles Brennan, too, the new starter taking over Joe Burrow. And is it going to be the same as Burrow? No, of, cor of course not. And he's not going to be as good. And the whole offense isn't going to be as good. But... Assuming they're still going to approach it the same way with the same philosophy with, you know, setting up the run with the throw and being a pass-first, big-play type of offense, and they have the athletes to do it, uh, I still think it's going to be very effective in score scoring, moving the ball, and getting plenty of DFS points as well. So that is why I'm kind of willing to maybe speculate a little bit more here in the first week for LSU's um, first game. And it, it, it Sorry, quarterback. It running back for LSU – I think it kind of going to be a three-headed monster to start. Likely led by Chris Curry, but I'm I'm going to wait and see on that this week. I, I don't know that I trust any sort of pecking order there, how they're going to operate on the goal line, all that stuff. I think it's all going to play out on the field. So um, those are my thoughts there. And then um, let's move on to Mississippi State side of the ball. This is where it gets really exciting. A college football treasure, an American hero, Mike Leach, is in Starkville as head coach of the Bulldogs. Now, on that side of the ball, Kylan Hill, probably a core player in all my lineups that I'll have everywhere. Um, maybe the only trustworthy player in the offense anyway for Mississippi State. As far as Leach offenses go, traditionally translates into huge stats for running for RB1s. Uh, very involved in the pass game. See Washington State's Max Borgie, if you need an example from last year. Uh, that dude was a DFS darling and just uh, just racking up all huge stats, huge games. I know it's the Pac-12 and it's different, but um, just the involvement in the passing game. And I think he tends to use a very heavy workload for his RB1. And Hill has the skill to do it. Um, he's, he's a great player. He's a great college back. And um, he's already proven he can handle big workloads. So... I love Colin Hill this week. I'm going to have him everywhere. That's kind of all I, I, I want to say about them. It, that the rest of it's a wait and see. I'm fascinated to see this play out in Mississippi State with Leach and the air raid offense. But I think for this first week, um, it's a wait and see on the rest of it for the passing game. So let's get out of here and go to Georgia at Arkansas. That's right. We're back. Got some of the big boys in there now. 
got one of the actual program that is um, has a actually matters on a national landscape and it's for DFS purposes I'll say this I'm out on Bulldog QBs and wide receivers for at least one week here just not even sure who's going to start at QB or if they will play the entire game or if any of them will be even any good or effective enough to lift value of the ceilings of anyone at receiver. I just, I don't know. And I got, I got to see it for at least a week to have an idea to, to invest those dollars and kind of burn a slate on anyone here because, um, yeah, we just don't know anything about the quarterback situation. JT Daniels is the USC transfer that was slated to be the expected starter. And that's after Jamie Newman, the Wake Forest transfer, opted out of the season. Uh, they're, they haven't medically cleared Daniels yet. And again, Newman opt out. So I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about the guys behind him or how good they are. Um, I mean, I'm not going to try to uh, speculate there at all. I, I want no part of it. So got to see it for a week. And I think all, I think they'll have four running backs in this game who have a shot to play and return value. Uh, with Zamir White and James Cook likely leading the way. And I think both are fine plays. I think there's going to be a ton of running here. And it's a, a great matchup, great game flow. You have a 39, like 13-ish uh, projected score. So probably a lot of good game script for running as well. Um, and so those two backs I mentioned, are, I think, are the best targets to play. Kendall Milton is the freshman star recruit. That could really be like a solid game flow hero of the week type thing if they get if this gets out of hand and they uh, turn the ball over to him for maybe three or four series in the second half um he could do a lot of damage i think so uh consider him there if you want to speculate on the game flow um on the arkansas side other than trey knox and mike woods at receiver i'm out on the hogs i just don't have any interest um they have a projected like 13 points like i mentioned and I, I got to kind of see it. I love the talent of Knox. I talked about him last year. I think he's a legit NFL talent. But um, I just don't know enough about the quarterback play here. And, um, yeah, I, I got to see it a little bit. But Knox's price is good enough, and so is Woods, where I, I'd be willing to consider it because they will have a lot of positive game flow for passing. So something to think about there. Let's get out and go to Kentucky at Auburn. Auburn minus 7.5. 49 and a half over under. Um, I love the way Kentucky plays. Tough, physical, run heavy, ball control. But uh, for DFS purposes, it's going to be a headache week to week from a just a perspective of getting value and uh, from the running back position. Even though they run it a ton, and it's Asim Rose, Cavassier Smoke, and Chris Rodriguez, I think all will share touches and have ability to outperform their price. But you're just not going to know week to week, and it's going to be tough to speculate on this situation. It really is going to be, it's a guess, right? Um, I, I would say my favorite would be Cavassier Smoke, just because he has the most electric playmaking ability. So he can break big plays for touchdowns, and so he kind of takes some of that goal line uh, question marks out of, the, out of the way with that. And he, he'll have some games in weeks where, yeah, he breaks off a huge touchdown. So I would probably opt for him, but going to be a stay away for the most part and then um just not enough value in the in the sorry volume in the pass game to provide any upside with the receiver so i'm out on any kentucky receivers and i don't even know how the qb situation is going to work i don't know if they've announced who the starter is um the uh candidates are joey gatewood he's a big dual threat transfer from auburn uh terry wilson was last week's last year's starter that got hurt and sawyer smith who I think started a few games last year as well. He's probably the most effective passer, but I don't know that they really want to do that in offense. I think they're going to be much more run-heavy uh, ball control, and they're going to use someone like Wilson or Gatewood in their legs and have that be the dynamic that they run their offense with. So um, none of them are like Lynn Bowden and have that explosiveness, but uh, they're their guy that they converted to quarterback last year and basically just ran the ball 50 times a game. Um, but... Uh, We'll just have to wait and see. I'm not going to play anyone on the quarterbacks here. So just something to be aware of. Uh, we'll check it out Saturday afternoon. On the Auburn side, it's the Bo Nick show quarterback for the Tigers. And uh, he, it's just going to be a collection of him and veteran wide receivers that is the strength of this offense. Seth Williams should be in line for a huge year as their wide receiver one. I like him a lot. I think he's fairly priced at 6500 Schwartz can fly. He can be a big play guy. 
um, and, and really do some damage in DFS purposes in just a few plays. So he's at 5K. I think some solid value there. The question mark is they return zero starters on the offensive line and tight end. And that might need to be uh, kind of a, a wait and see on some of these running backs. And uh, just a little bit of caution this week for guys like DJ Williams. Even though he has a pretty solid price, I just might need to see this for one week and how it's going to work against you know, Kentucky, a very solid defensive team usually. So, um, yeah, just something to be aware of. I think DJ Williams is talented, but not sure about this specific week. Uh, so there are my thoughts of that game. Let's go to Florida at Ole Miss. Like I mentioned, the excitement of Mike Leach in Starkville. We have Lane Kiffin in Ole Miss now. It's just going to be – the SEC just keeps getting better, right? They got two of these coaches now. I mean, even if these teams suck, these guys are on the entertainment scale. Just add so much value to uh, this conference. It's, it's incredible. So, uh, Florida, they are at Ole Miss, minus 14.5, over under 57. You can probably hear some neighbors of mine smoke tank going off right now. Awesome. In terms of the matchup game script slash roll in the offense, I will say this. I like Florida running back Damian Pierce better than Jordan Mason, Keontae Ingram, Rakeem Boyd, Sandy McCoy, Javian Hawkins, any Oklahoma running back, and Chris Curry for LSU. I think this guy steps into the bell cow role that Michael Perrine held for about two years. They showed that they like to have a true RB1 be a bell cow role. Um, Pierce was already impressive as a backup last year, and it was a big recruit when he came in. So um, I think he takes the job. I think he I think he does a lot of damage with it, I, and I like him in this matchup too. A good script, like a 35-21 game, going to be good script for running in the second half for him or at least projects to be, and um, yeah, I just love him. All those guys I named, too, are higher prices than him. That's the other reason. He's like 58, 5,900, so I think there's a ton of value. I think he should be closer probably to 65, 7K, so um, really like him this week. Probably going to be in all my lineups. And then um, as far as the quarterback receivers, yep, you can safely deploy Kyle Trask, wide receiver Trevin Grimes, and tight end Kyle Pitts, who I think is pretty solid value as well. Um, he's maybe the top pass-catching threat in this offense um, and certainly has the best floor week-to-week -week and will be a big target of Trask as he was last year and maybe even be the highest NFL prospect at tight end in college football. So, um, yeah, I like him a lot. He has a really good price. And so Pitts and um, and also Kadarius Toney, um, very great price floor upside here in Florida's offense. And then on the Ole Miss side of the ball, as much as I love Lane Kiffin, I'm just going to be out on everyone besides Elijah Moore, who I think has um, a wonderful floor upside combo at 6K. He's proven in the past he is capable of huge games. And um, and even in the, the smaller weeks, he still still gets you, you know, five, six, 50, 70 yards, those types of lines. I mean, that's like kind of his floor. So you know you're going to get something from the guy, and there's a chance you're going to get that crazy 10 catches, 150 yards, two touches. I mean, he can have those type of games. So, uh, And I think the other part about this is the QB um, situation and the running back situation. I think we just need to see it first. I, I think they're leaning towards Matt Corral as the starter. Uh, Jonathan Reese Plumley is the um, super athletic like dual threat, but very heavy run style quarterback who, who isn't very good at passing, but he's so good at running that um, I don't know what they're going to do. And, but Lane Kiffin, his offense, um, at least when he was at uh, Florida Atlantic, it was a spread, a lot of throwing, a lot of short screens. You know, it was a heavy, heavy throw offense. So um, I don't know that Plumlee has the ability to do that. So I don't know how he's going to play it. Maybe you see both these guys. I, I'm not sure. So that's why kind of just got to see this for one week before we uh, dive in. So those are my thoughts on that game. Let's go to the last one on the slate. And this is going to be very straightforward and quick. Duke at Virginia. Virginia minus five, over under 46. Lowest total on the board. Duke kind of sucks. So does Virginia. I'm out on everyone except maybe Terrell Jaina um, at 5,600 for the who's. 
Uh, he came out very strong at the end of last year. Uh, but new QB play here for Virginia. Just tough to know, you know, if these guys are on the same page. Haven't seen any of the game yet. Um, so I don't I, I don't know. I'm just going to have to stay away and, and watch this one for this week. And I lied. That wasn't the last game. Uh, Georgia Tech at Cuse. What am I doing? Uh, Georgia Tech, minus eight. Over, under, 52. Uh my tech prediction from last week went sideways in a hurry about liking them with the points and possibly even straight up to beat UCF. It was looking okay, uh, maybe for two quarters and a few possessions, but ultimately, wow, UCF just, uh, they put it on those guys. And Dylan Gabriel looks absolutely like an NFL prospect at quarterback. I mean, he is just, uh, he can make all the throws. Um, it's just very impressive to see what they can do and how fast they can just sneak up on you and all of a sudden they're up three scores and you're like, what just happened? So um, they look to be on another level offensively this year and all kinds of weapons and unfortunately not in this slate. I was kind of surprised to see that, but we have to move on. And uh, look, and as far as... It wasn't a good game from Jeff Sims in general, as far as like real football goes. But uh, for DFS purposes, it was fine. Uh, he came away with like almost 25 points, I think. And again, he rushed for a touchdown, threw for one. And he's going to have probably 50, 60 rushing yards a week to go along with passing. So still, I think he's a little bit undervalued. I think he should be closer to 7K, especially in now a plus matchup against Cuse, who... Just doesn't look like uh, it looks like the Dino Babers era might be coming to an end sooner rather than later. So um, Sims is young. There's going to be a lot of growing pains, but I still think there's um, value there for DFS purposes. It was so frustrating last week um, having the the stack with him to camp. There was a, a camp drop a touchdown first of all, and then there was this one play where it was like a third and I don't know somewhere in the red zone, and Sims is kind of. He's kind of a deer in the headlights at times right now, which is fine. I'm not criticizing a young player who's going to get better. But he rolled out. Camp's basically like walking with his hands up like in the end zone without anyone around him. And it looks to be looking right in his direction. And he just like ended up like taking off, trying to run, and then got stored to first down. And it was like right there. I was like, what, what, what is, what are you, what's going on? Um, so that was, uh, that was frustrating. But uh, we got through it. And uh, I still think Camp is actually... Undervalued. I think he's going to have a big game here sooner rather than later, and I think he's going to pay off at a price of like 4,500. I think around there. So um, I still think you should consider him as a building block guy in a, in a better matchup this week against Cuse. And the other uh, development last week was at running back for the Yellow Jackets. And Jordan Mason sat out, and his status is still uh, questionable. I think for this week, so make sure you check. But if he is out, you should really consider Jameer Gibbs. He's a true freshman. They've, they've talked him up a lot. They're really excited about it. And he looked the part last week, uh, led them in rushing, broke off a big touchdown, um, I think in the second half when they really needed it. And he just looks really good. Uh, he, he looks, he's definitely talented, big playmaker, uh, can take it to the house, just the exact type of guy you want at that position with the ball in his hand. And I think as, as they kind of continue this year two of Jeff Collins' program, um, I think he's going to want to get his guys, his recruits um, that fit his his coaching and his philosophies. I think he's going to want to get them in the game and involved as much as possible. And this guy just might turn out to be the, the best running back they have. So I still think Jordan Mason is good, but the job may just go to Gibbs sooner rather than later, or at least the, the line share of the workload. So I think it goes without saying, but other than that, we're out on Cuse. Just can't do it. Uh, another awful game from them. Maybe Taj Harris, but again, it's very touchdown dependent. I just don't like their quarterback play. It's just tough. It's just tough. I can't do it. Um, wish them the best. I'm sure they're all lovely young men, but uh, sorry. Not going to do it. And that is the slate. We've done it. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you feel like you're going to dominate and win your GPP and set all your lineups. Good luck to you, and we will see you next time.
Hey, stick around. Coming up next, it is the NFL Pick Segment with the Doctor. Winning week for me last week. Both of us winning records through two weeks. Let's keep it going. Starting now. We're here. It is uh, week three in the NFL, as always, joined by uh, the doctor. Doctor, how are you? Doing well, Bob. Well, yourself? I can't complain. Uh, you're coming off a three and two week for me. I have no losing weeks thus far, so um, I can't. Thus far is any- two. So just to be clear, <laughs> thus far is <laughs> two. Well, I couldn't say that last year. I don't think so. Um, okay, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna take any positive thing away from it. I can. Okay. Um, and let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, so last week I was three and two. I'm five four and one overall. Last week you came back down to earth a little bit. Two and three still. After the four and one start in week one, six four overall on the season through two weeks. Um, any thoughts about last week? Uh, anything you saw? Maybe little disappointments with uh, maybe maybe the Bears winning no Bears. cover. Bears was a big disappointment. Yeah, they missed that field goal. I think with uh, I think it was under the two minute mark to go to cover and um, and didn't do it. Uh, they make that there fine, and they had a big lead. And they kind of let them back into it. You know, it's kind of garbage stuff. Um, so that was a, a little disappointing. Um, and then the Dallas-Atlanta game was just wild. Uh, no complaints on this spread there, which is just wild game. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about um, both the Falcons Ooh, and um, okay. Mr. Mr. Mitchell Trubisky here coming up. But um, you you wisely uh, did go opposite of me with the Washington football team, and you uh, went Kyler to nuke, and that paid off well. Uh, they were a pretty comfortable, I think, cover. And I, I don't. There was a few times where I think Washington was trying to get in the back door there, but uh, hey, Zona, Zona might be for real. And um, we'll be talking I, about them later too. Just saying. <laughs> oh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, I can't wait because uh, I did have a few things to say about that as well. So let's just talk overall the board here and the trends through two weeks. Um, as we've discussed, going back to last season, crazy start. Um, for underdogs last year through like six, seven weeks. A little more even here um, through two weeks, more of a normal NFL year where uh, favorites versus dogs, the favorites are 13-15. So not a huge edge there. Home versus road teams against the spread, 17-14 through two weeks in in favor of the home teams. Home favorites, 10-9 against the spread. Home dogs, 6-3-1 through two weeks. And substantial favorites we consider of seven or greater. Uh, are seven and five against the spread and as far as outright losses for those favorites of seven or greater just two they were all in week one there were zero last week um when there was seven of those favorites and almost got kc my charters did their job but um you know certainly Mahomes is Mahomes and the chiefs are the chiefs and they uh took care of business in the fourth quarter on the final drive and got an overtime and won the game so uh but that was a that was a great performance by the chargers so Let's get into this week for the board. We have 13 home favorites, three home dogs, two substantial favorites, seven or more. It is the Browns minus seven and Indy minus a a whopping 11 and a half to the hapless Jets. And let's start then with the picks. Doctor, how do you want to begin this week? Why don't you go first, Bob? Well, I'm going to kind of stick with a theme here that I talked about last week of getting back the basics and just kind of reading the board and going, God, if I'm taking calls this week or I'm at a window and I got everyone coming up to me going, give me this for this much and that for this and all, you know, who, who is everyone going to be hammering? I'm running back my Washington football team plus seven at Cleveland. I still like the defensive line. I did think there was a couple times where they almost got, like I said, in that back door last week, um, just a few plays away maybe from covering that. And, and so I, I'm going to simply just run back them and say they'll cover um, and bounce back this week at Cleveland. I don't still believe a whole lot in Cleveland. Uh, new coaching staff in a COVID offseason. Going to be hard to adjust on that fly. So um, Washington football team plus seven will be my first pick. Yeah, all right. I like the logic. You know, we've we've practiced that logic uh, for decades now. Whether it was being forced to do it or choosing to do it, <laughs> we've, we've done it many of times. 
Uh, and I'll, I'll go with that theme here a little bit. Uh, Tennessee at Minnesota. Tennessee is mm-hmm. two and a half. Uh, the public is hammering Tennessee. Uh, it's like an 80-20 split right now. Uh, I'm going to go Minnesota plus two and a half. Look, Cousins has been horrific. The defense has been awful. I mean, they're basically in the bottom quarter of all stats and are second to last uh, in scoring right between Detroit and Atlanta, which is, is never a good place to be. On the other side, Tannehill's been great, right? He's looked really good. Um, he's like fifth in QB rankings, six TDs, no interceptions. It's just too easy. Uh, it's just too yeah. easy to take Tennessee here. It just can't be true. Um, I think Minnesota is obviously desperate. Um, I got a couple good tidbits for you, though. If you if you need a little uh, encouragement to take Minnesota, if you won't go on the blind faith uh, against the spread, uh, Zimmer sixty two percent since he's been the head coach of Minnesota, which is pretty good. Uh, tied with Belichick, uh, the leaders over that time, I think it's since two thousand fourteen. Uh, there's no better bounce back coach than him. He's seventy five point seven following a loss uh, that didn't happen last week, but we'll start it over again this week. <laughs> and at home, he's sixty eight percent ATS. Uh, and as an underdog, he's 61%. Uh, and as a home dog, which is what we are this week, 72% mm-hmm. coverage. So mm-hmm. you get value with Zimmer, desperate situation, Minnesota, plus 2.5. That's also going to be a lot of out there right now at 0 and 2. And um, I, I like that pick there. Uh, I'm not, I'm staying away there from that game. But uh, yeah, Captain Kirk. Lowest pass rate in the NFL through two weeks, and um, and I said I will say one thought that kind of ran through my head last week was, is Ryan Tannehill just good? I, I he well, he appears t- to be talk- like he's. Go ahead. We started talking about that last year, right? I mean, they had yeah. a good run. We were back. Tannehill's back, back, and I think we were being a little sarcastic, and then you know towards the end we were starting to believe it. And I think, if anything, he's just built off of last year. And I I think he's starting to the point where we can say he's good. He, I, he looks – I would say he's in the top ten quarterbacks uh, right now. It's just – it's hard to hard to make the argument that he's not. Um, and it, what followed after that thought, Doctor, um, having a uh, – we have a defensive head coach for the Lions whose defense consistently sucks. And um, I thought – Adam Gates has two head coaching jobs now with the Dolphins and the Jets. His offenses routinely suck, and he was Tannehill's coach in Miami, the, who drafted him, and could you know he Tannehill was terrible in Miami. He can't develop right. quarterback. Now he's got now he's got Darnold, who was another high draft pick, and they suck. And I just thought, why is this guy some offensive genius? So um, well, I think we yeah. know why. It's Peyton Manning, right? I mean, that's. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? Sure. Wasn't he tied to Peyton Manning uh, to get his start in Indy? That's the only reason why. I, I apparently so. I just it's a very um, yeah. Just that it just ran through my head. I thought, huh, interesting. So um, okay, well you have the Vikings plus two and a half, and I I like that. I, I want to travel now to Denver, Mile High, okay. and to talk about your boyfriend TV twelve, and I think. Another thing I might be hearing through the phone if I was taking calls this week is is um, some teasers. I think there'd be a lot of teasers. And I think one of them might be Tampa Bay minus taking them down to a pick. And hey, outright, that's all you have to do. TV 12 to Jeff Driscoll. No, Lynn Sutton, who in their right mind would ever want any of the Denver Broncos? I would, Doctor, and here's another reason why. Um, TB12, four and seven at Denver all time, eight and nine overall against Denver. It's the only team in the NFL he has a losing record to in his career. So um, I think I think the trend continues. You know, I think he's you know still an effective quarterback, but certainly on the decline. And uh, I think this is a huge trap. So I'm on Denver plus the six points. Your thoughts? I like that. Uh, didn't didn't Driscoll have a big game last year? Didn't he have a couple weeks where he he? Had, or am I making that up? I, th- I thought he had a couple big weeks last I, year. So hey, look I, out! Might work to your benefit. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't win a game, so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. Once they got down thirty to three, put in some yeah, good stat lines. I think so. that, I thought that, I thought that, but yeah, okay, I like that. Uh, and look, I, I always defend TV twelve, and um, I, I think everything you said is fair. He's he's still effective. Um, look, they're going to win some games, and they're going to be they're going to matter in the postseason, and they're going to have to deal with Tom Brady in the postseason, and I don't think they'll want to see that. Um, is he going to go out to Denver and light it up? Probably not. Um, so we'll see how that game how that game goes for it. Yeah, it's been a little interesting watching him and Drew Brees try to throw the ball uh, 15 yards in the trajectory. It looks like it's a seven iron. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you texted me about that. I mean, <laughs> let's not forget Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl with throwing ducks. So, I mean, those I, guys, they bring more than just arm strength. I think we can agree on that. I know, but it is. It's like Peyton Manning in the Bronco years. And, I look, I just not prefer – it's getting there and uh, it, it, it's but they better be careful because it's gonna be in a year and I look my preference with all these guys I would just I don't want to see this version of them I would prefer hey good I, I don't need to prove anything to anyone but I get it they're competitive guys it's just it's tough to watch okay um so I have Denver uh your next pick sir okay uh let's go to the Meadowlands uh, San Francisco at the New York Giants. Uh, San Francisco is laying four. Uh, look, this is a you know, game of uh, injuries here and disappointment for San Francisco. Uh, no Jimmy G, no running backs, no Bosa. I don't know if you caught wind of this. The truck's towing MRI machine like broke down on the way uh, there. The, the plane that they were taking, uh, some oh, fender yeah. bender. Like, I just... They can't get anything going, but enter one uh, Nick Mullins. I'll be <laughs> honest, I don't know much about Nick Mullins other than uh, a little rumbling last year and then uh, this year. Kid from Southern Mississippi broke some of Brett, Brett Favre's record. I'm, I'm going all in on this guy. Uh, nothing seems to be going right for San Francisco. I think it's going to turn around um, this week with the you know the injuries get cleaned up and, and they play a good game here. Uh, I'm going San Francisco minus four. Uh, you know the Giants are miserable um they're yeah. ranking 29th in scoring offense uh, as far as percent of drives scored on and then ranking 20th in getting scored on on the other side so they can't score they can't stop anybody uh you know san francisco of course is, is usually more consistent and uh i know it's no jimmy g but uh i'll put some faith in the guy that broke some records of brett Favre's at southern miss um you know and lastly the the giants are zero and seven against the spread in their last seven games as home underdogs so let's go Niners uh, minus the four. Yeah, it's this game for a while, and I didn't want to pick it. It just kind of seemed like a stick away, but I thought that this is kind of a program game for San Francisco and the Giants where uh, there's just – this is where coaching and regimes just come into play. They have the infrastructure and the mentality to kind of next man up. We're just a better organization and we're going to win this game. The Giants are just a mess. So, and Bob, um, it's interesting to bring that up. So I'll, I'm going to jump into to my next pick because it ties very well into what you just said. Please which do. Is, which is the uh, Las Vegas Raiders at the New England Patriots. And I had this one as my organization game. Um, you, you know, I think uh, historically uh, the Raiders have not been a great organization, uh, especially the past you know, decade or so. Um, coming off a big win against what I consider a class organization in the Saints, right? That was a nice, nice win for them. Yes. There's, there's, there's no way they do this twice in a row, and there's no way they do it on the road. They're, they're not winning this game. Um, New England has shown, even as Tom Brady has moved on, they've been able to kind of keep that culture, and Kansas slid right in. I know they lost to Seattle last week, but you know, feel like that was a that's a good Seattle team. That's a very competitive game. That's a you know, I'll use quotes with my fingers. Fine loss. It wasn't so, a bad performance, yeah. Yeah, well, it wasn't bad. I mean, this is Belichick at home after a loss. Uh, you know, you're you're not you're not going against them, and I think it's the right time to go with them. Um, so, I'm going New England minus five and a half, just because I think that the culture in New England is is going to continue to carry on, and the Raiders are kind of peaked out, um, which might be a theme a little later on. So, New England minus uh, five. <laughs> All right. Hey, would you like to tease New England down to a plus a half in Arizona down a plus a half? <laughs> yeah, well, you're right. I think the New I think the New England one is the winner in that one. 
and we can yeah. get into the Arizona one soon. Okay, all right. Uh, no, I, I, I like that, and I think um, I think it, it's not a long-term solution, but I think Cam, at least for a year, can yeah. do this, and uh, they can be successful and potentially like, win another division. So, uh, all right. Let's see here. I'm through two picks, and I think this is where I want to kind of talk about Mitchell. And look, 2020 has been a really weird year. Uh, it's been trying times for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. But I can't live in a world where Mitchell Trubisky is three and zero, and Matty Ice, Captain Kirk, Carson Wentz, and Deshaun Watson are all potentially zero and three. I can't do that, and it's not. It's not right. It's not fair, and um, I don't accept it. So I'm going Falcons minus three, and it's just that simple. And I, I think um, we all know what happened to Falcons last week. There's all kind of stats and the odds and all this stuff about. Um, I think one stat I heard was uh, 39 points and zero turnovers. That in NFL history, that combination it was like something like 450 and 0. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. crazy. It was bizarre. So. Yep, I saw the tweet. Um, you know, I, I I like this pick. What'll be interesting? It's it's a little different than college because it's still early in the NFL season. But the first quarter of this game is going to be, you know, super important. I would say in college, if you know Atlanta gets outplayed in the first quarter, you know, college teams just going to fold. Um, you know, you hope these guys to be a little more professional. But if that first half doesn't go. Atlanta's way, um, coming off what happened last week, you could see some, you know, it's, even in week three, see some checking out there in the mid-game. Yeah, it's well, it, it's not happening. So uh, sure. Mitchell, Mitchell is not getting to three and zero, and it. Uh, I'm just going to be rooting for. I'm going to be rooting hard for Mitch this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky, who will not be in the NFL in a year. All right. Um, all right. Do you want to go next, or you want me? Yeah, to go? sure, sure. I'll go. Um, Look, I got, I got uh, let's go to the West Coast. I got Carolina uh, at the Chargers. Uh, Chargers laying six and a half. Um, Carolina lost McCaffrey. Uh, you know, that's going to force them to retool kind of a new game plan. And I think go to a more pass heavy offense, which we just watched the Chargers do an excellent job against Mahomes last week and, and you know, probably the most efficient or second most efficient offense in the league um so i think the chargers are going to be able to shut them down i don't think it matters if it's taylor or herbert i'd like to see herbert um chargers look good i think they continue to look good and this one gets ugly and it's uh chargers minus six now okay i looked at this one too i would probably agree with that i i I don't know why we'd want carolina but that's that's what it always goes back to, right? Who would well, want would them? Would you tease so, it? Would you take? Would you yeah. maybe do a Tampa Bay Chargers teaser? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yep. So uh, something's not going to work, but we'll see. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I, I get that. I, I was on the Chargers last week, and they they were impressive. And I think also Herbert was um, not not a lot of bad things you can say about him in his first NFL well, start. Really, there's one bad the one bad decision and throw. He kind of yeah. threw it up like he was in college in that pick. That was that was the one thing that stood out to me. And I think maybe one bad sack, but as a rookie, you kind of got to kind of let that go. And uh, more to come on rookie quarterbacks later. Uh, but let's talk about a team that uh, I looked at this game, and I I also look at these lines every week and kind of uh, try to predict what I think it'll fall on before I actually look at the actual Vegas spread. And uh, there was a couple games I looked at. One was like Philly against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh against the Texans, who had been a disaster through two weeks. Uh, non-competitive in two games. I know they were playing probably the best two teams in football, but um, look, this whole trading Nuke Hopkins and getting David Johnson and Brandon Cooks to pick up the slack, it's just not working. And um, it's, 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 it's a B.O.B. special. Bill O'Brien, this guy... Uh, <laughs> It's 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 coming to an end. He might be leading the Vegas odds for first coach fired uh, ahead of Matt Patricia. Or no, I think it's Gase actually. But um, anyway, look, it's it's not happening. And I try to think what what is. I, I thought this line would be close to maybe double digits. Who wants any part of the Texans? Pittsburgh has a ferocious defense. Uh, they got Big Ben back. They're healthy on offense. They're they're doing their thing. They're improving every week. They're, they're a great organization, right? It's, it's, it's another organization game where one's a mess, one has the infrastructure. And I thought this line would be like eight, nine. 
I look up and four, and I go, what is this? Who who wants this? Who wants any part of Texans in four? And simply put, Vegas is speaking out, and I'm listening. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go yeah. Texans plus the four points here. I I make I don't give me one good football reason why you want the Texans. Dead silence. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're you're welcome, I everybody. Did. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. All right. So that's that's my next pick, and I'll let you uh, continue on. All right. So this is my this is my fifth one. I saved the the best for last. Uh, we'll go into the desert. Try. <laughs> at Arizona Arizona lay in five and a half uh, this may shock some of our listeners uh, I am actually going with the Lions this week at plus five and a half uh, for a few reasons the first being the public is handling Arizona and, and rightfully so um, you know uh, give, give me one football reason <laughs> well, the, the, well there, could, there could be I think the Lions are getting some people back um, is I think holidays ago this week, and then I think so. Some of the corners are coming back, so there's a little bit of that. But you know, we got a little revenge game going here. Um, from last year, we all know what happens, they, they blew that big lead. Um, you know, look, there's not a whole lot of math or science here, but this is what the Lions do. Like, we're, we're I don't know. if you if you pay attention over your life and you're from and you pay attention to Detroit, this is a game they somehow. I think they might even win. Like I would even suggest throwing some money line here. That they're going to do something crazy and bring everybody back in for another week. It's what they do, and uh, it's just what I expect to see. And on the flip side of that, the Cardinals have looked good, but the Cardinals organization—you know—they're not really used to the success. Are they going to go to three zero? I, I, I don't think so. So, for those reasons, I'm, I'm doing what I normally do not do, and I will take the Lions plus five and a half. I might even put on a Stafford jersey. <laughs> it, uh, it would be it's the most lying thing ever uh, to win this game, absolutely. Uh, and after that, not only win the game, but Patricia and Quinn both get extensions the next week. For yes, five years. that would that would make it perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look, I I try to take emotion out of these picks, and that is why I, I refuse to pick four against the Lions. And um, also. I I want them to get beat. I want a fifty burger in this game from Arizona. I I just I want it so bad, and so I, I can't I can't do it because I want these guys broomed out of town. But, but um, you but you know, and you kind of said, I mean, there's a good chance the Lions just go win this game. Oh yeah, no, I, I know, I know, and then, and then we get Maddie P and Quinn for another five years. Yes, of course, I, I know it's 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 the most Lion thing ever. So I get it, I get the pick, I do. Um, okay, you're you're three, you're five. I think that leaves me with one more and we're going to head to Philly. And as I talked about, I kind of looked at these games and go that who's going <laughs> to, everyone's going to hammer Philly. <laughs> that, that line's got to be, I thought this line would be double digits uh, or at least close to it. And we see it four and a half Philadelphia, a projected super bowl contending team, a super bowl roster built to win now. Got everything going for it. Pro bowlers everywhere. Every position group is a strength. Mismatch everywhere for, for someone like Cincinnati, who was like, what, what, a two, three-win team last year in complete rebuild mode? Four and a half? They're 0 oh and 2. They have to win this game. They're at home. What is going on here? And I think what's going on is Joe Burrow looks like he's in year three, not game three. And he's been surpassed. Just, it's been two games, and I don't want to get carried away, but this guy looks so composed, looks in so command of the offense, and I think this is another thing where Vegas is telling you something. They're telling you something about Philly, and they're telling you something about Burrow and the impact he's already making. And for this line to be four and a half, that should scare the shit out of anyone who's a Philadelphia fan. And I'm listening. I'm going with Burrow um, at plus four and a half, and I'm going to buy in. I, I'm to totally bought in anyway, and... Uh, yeah, I thought he was going to be uh, great in the pros. So that is my pick, and I'm sticking by it. We're through the Power Five, and I just want to mention a little bit more about Philly. Um, 450 yards last week to the Rams. Three more turnovers. Wentz is a 2-4 TD-INT ratio through two weeks. Second lowest QB rating to the aforementioned Captain Kirk. So Yeah, it's not good. It's I don't know what you do with that right now. 
those are two teams too. I like Minnesota and Philly. I don't know what you do right now. Yeah. So that is it, my friend. We did it. We are through our selections. Uh, we wish the best of luck to everyone out there. And we will see you next week. Yeah, let's just hope the officiating in the football games this weekend is better than officiating has been in the Western Conference Finals of the NBA. Uh, on that note. <laughs> Actually, I just saw this quickly this morning. I think <laughs> you're such a oh guy. All right. Uh, I think, <laughs> what? Am I wrong? I, was it was it well officiated? I don't think last night was that bad, but I did oh, see. I did, it was horrific. I didn't watch. Did, by the way, I'm refusing to watch it. I'm just going by highlights I watched on Twitter. I refuse to actually watch the game because the officiating was so bad in game one. And from what <laughs> I saw on Twitter, the last two minutes, there were a couple critical calls. One one not called on, on Murray and then some other ridiculous call on AD. So, uh, four, okay. I should say. Yeah. Anyway, um, you were going to say something? No, I, I saw uh, a headline this morning about Malone, like, we're going to be talking to the NBA about foul calls. <laughs> I was like, oh, Perfect. all right. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I, it, it is what it is. Um, okay, well, that was, th- thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> I know you love LeBron. Uh, okay. We will uh, take. Hey, this is fun, and the we'll queen, uh, the queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be back next week. All right. Thanks, Bob. Ah, the doctor had to take a little dig. Couldn't help himself. If you knew this man, um, his dislike for LeBron is almost troll level, but it's also uh, pretty humorous, and uh, some of it's fair. So you know. But uh, anywho. Good luck to all of you guys out there. Thank you for listening. Follow on the gram and the Twitter at SportsPodHookup. You can follow me at RealBobbyAdcock. And uh, that is it for episode 41. We'll see you next time.